welcome back to the Not Your Mama podcast. This is your host, Kelly Bryant, creator and founder of Kelly Bryant Wellness, and self-proclaimed parent who hates being called mama by anyone other than my child. Obviously my child, totally good to call me mom. Mm, Stranger, doctor, medical provider, mm, no, no, don't call me that. So that is why this podcast is called what it is, because I've been looking at the uh, the numbers on downloads, and it looks like we're getting some new followers. So hey, hi, what's up for the new followers? Excited that you guys are here, and I always love to hear your feedback after the episode. So don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at hi at kellybryantwellness.com, or just DM me on Instagram at kellybryantwellness. I love to hear from you guys. Today's episode is about sleep. So it is not going to be a snooze, won't be a bore, promise. The reason I think it might kind of get a reputation for being like a little bit of a boring topic is because we're all reading or hearing the same sleep advice regurgitated over and over and over again, and none of it is actually helpful or useful if you are pregnant or postpartum and struggling with sleep. It's all just like, don't look at your phone after 8 p.m., have a bedtime routine, blah, 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 and I will reiterate some of those things, but I want this to actually be super actionable and usable for those of you who are struggling with sleeping um, because of pregnancy, which we'll talk about that a little bit more, and those of us who are postpartum who maybe are struggling with sleep because, you know, babies. So we're going to address all of those things. First thing I want to talk about is I want to like really sell you guys on the idea of sleep and why it is so important. Sleep is probably the number one thing I see get in the way of people healing and recovering fully postpartum. And then of course, going on from there to meet all of your health and fitness goals. Because twofold, one, it prevents you from having the energy to do things. So if you're not sleeping, you're way more likely to not want to do your workouts, to not keep up with your daily homework, to forget about things, to just have overall less mental capacity for the physical work. And the second reason, you also have less physical capacity for recovery. And this is the part that I think people undervalue so much. No matter where we are on the spectrum of athleticism, whether it's like I am barely walking after pregnancy and postpartum, or if it's like, you know, athletes at the highest level, sleep is one of the most undervalued parts of the equation as far as what will influence your performance. And if you are trying, literally when you are postpartum, you are trying to regenerate tissue. Your body is trying to build back up the skin and connective tissue, for example, in the case of tearing or in the case of a C-section, you're also trying to like regenerate nerve endings. If there's been any kind of nerve damage, you're also trying to build muscle so that your body can like support you doing all of the activities of your daily life. So you have to be getting enough sleep. And what is enough? My test for enough, because I have a lot of people who are like, yeah, I sleep enough. I get like six hours. And I'm like, (laughs) that is not enough. I don't know what enough is going to be for you for sure. So here is my litmus test. Do you feel well rested? And 
do you wake up at a consistent time naturally? So some of us, due to just like lifestyle factors, work hours, whatever, may have to set an alarm every day because we don't really have a choice. But if you're not naturally waking up more or less around that alarm time on the weekends, that means that you are trying to make up for missed sleep. So maybe your preference would be actually to sleep from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., but your life doesn't allow that. So instead, you've decided to sleep from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. That is not an acceptable solution. You have to move that bedtime. And it does take time, right? It's, you know, if you're starting, and this is where so many people stop and give up, that they're like, I'm not tired at 11, until 11 p.m. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, you have to just keep getting in bed at a consistent time and... If that's not, you know, if you're not falling asleep, it is still worth being in bed. And this is the second thing that I really have to emphasize to all of my postpartum folks. Just because you can't sleep does not mean that the rest doesn't count. Resting can be reduced sensory input. So it gives our brain some like recovery time. You guys know what I mean by sensory input, right? It's like by the end of the day, you're like, ah, like ready to explode because there's been like noise happening all day. And there, you know, there's just been, you've been staring at a screen, which is a sensory input. There's just all of this input. And at the end of the day or throughout the day, we want to be reducing that input. So maybe it's earplugs and a sleep mask for 30 minutes before you're actually able to fall asleep at night or in the middle of the day as a quote unquote nap, because I have so many people tell me that they can't sleep during the day. That's fine. You can still nap. And if, if, if you'd rather not call it a nap, if you'd rather call it rest, then call it rest. Even if you're not sleeping, it is still regenerative to your body. It is recovery time that your body needs. So don't let the fact that you're not falling asleep at 9 or 10 p.m. deter you from going and putting down your phone and laying down. And again, cut out whatever sensory inputs you need to. So those two things, like if you walk away with nothing else from this podcast, those two things are the biggest ones. One, you should be consistently waking up at the same time without an alarm And that's a really good indicator that you are in fact getting enough sleep. If you're sleeping in hours later when you don't have an alarm, that is a sign that your body is making up for missed sleep. And two, even if you're not sleeping, rest is valuable and effective and needed. So even if you're not falling asleep right away because you're following a new sleep schedule does not mean it's not working. Now let's get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of some tools and tactics that you can actually use We'll start first with pregnancy. So pregnancy, the two biggest complaints that I get, one, discomfort, just physically being uncomfortable when you're sleeping, and two, the like crazy hormone mood effects that happen during pregnancy, where maybe you have anxiety for the first time in your life. Maybe you have like crazy ass dreams. I remember I had the craziest dreams when I was pregnant. And if I woke up in the middle of the night with one of those dreams, it would be like 30 minutes before I could fall back asleep. Minimum getting out of bed frequently to pee. That's like in that physical discomfort category. All of those things are 
diminishable to some extent. So the discomfort, I tell, I say this all the time. If you go over to my Instagram, you will certainly find tips for this on how to sleep when you're pregnant. But if you are trying to sleep side-lying, which before I even say, let me for a moment address the fact that you don't have to sleep lying on your side. You can sleep on your back as long as you're comfortable. It's not ideal, but it may, if it allows you to sleep, that's the most important thing. So if you need to sleep on your back, sleep on your back. You're obviously not going to sleep on your belly. So if you're a belly sleeper, you're going to have to get used to side sleeping. If you're not comfortable being on your back, then you're going to have to get used to side sleeping as well. And the way to do that is to not sleep directly on your side. So if you're sleeping directly on the side of your hip, you're probably going to have a fair amount of hip discomfort on the bottom, the top, or both hips. So you want to one, prop your top leg. So get some pillows up in it and prop up that top leg so that it's slightly internally rotated. Internally rotated means that the ankle is higher than the knee. If you've got your front leg tucked in front of you, kind of like a fetal position. So elevate that ankle a little bit, and that will help a lot with reducing any discomfort that you're having in the top hip. If you're having discomfort in the bottom hip, you want to roll slightly forward. You're not going to be on top of your belly as if you were sleeping on your belly, but you're going to be like a quarter or a half of the way toward sleeping on your belly. And that way the belly itself is going to hold you in that sideline position instead of having your hips kind of engaged and working all night to hold you in that sideline position. And you'll also get your weight off of the bottom hip, which may be uncomfortable. If that's not comfortable for you, or if you're like naturally a back sleeper, you could do the reverse. So instead of being straight up and down on the side of your hip, you could be tipped a quarter or a half the way back. This is where like, if you have those giant body pillows, which I will say I never had the giant pregnancy body pillows when I was pregnant, I just did this with pillows, but you can get a pillow behind your back so that you're being supported to lay in that sort of like diagonal halfway leaned back position. And if you don't know this, they make like kind of hospital style adjustable bed bases. They're not crazy expensive. I am very much like it's on my to-do list to get adjustable bed bases for my husband and I, because I just think it would, would be so much more comfortable to sleep with a little bit more support under the back and behind the knees. So if you're willing to make the investment, it's not super expensive. They're like a few hundred dollars to get an adjustable bed base. Just go search on Amazon. Um, so that's sleeping when you're pregnant, if you're physically uncomfortable, if you're getting up frequently to pee, I'm sorry, there's not that much we can do about that. Um, you, you know, you could drink slightly less fluids at night, right? So just focus on making sure you're still getting plenty of water, but getting it maybe a little earlier in the day and overall just having better pelvic floor health before pregnancy or, um, during pregnancy. And I have many episodes about that. So I won't spend a ton of time talking about that today. Those are my tips for physical discomfort when you're pregnant. As far as the mental stuff, this is going to apply for my postpartum and my prenatal people. So let's go ahead and switch gears and talk a little bit about postpartum. (laughs) 
it seems to be like a truth of life that when you are postpartum, you will be exhausted all day, completely exhausted. And then as soon as you go to lay down to sleep, you're wide awake and your brain is like, we must think about all the things now. So that's very normal if you're experiencing that. I'm sorry, it sucks, but it's common. What you can do about that is one, get whatever noise canceling situation you need. Obviously, if you need to be responsive to a baby, that's tough. But if you have a partner who's you know able to wake up with the baby and wake you up as needed, that's a great option. If you're using, you know, if you're sleeping with the baby in your room, white noise may be helpful for you. I personally actually hate white noise. It makes me crazy. But if you don't mind white noise, having white noise in the room with you so that you're not hearing every single like gurgle or sound out of your baby, you're not being woken up by your partner snoring, none of that stuff, if possible. Another thing I want to offer here is the there are many apps out there for uh, sleep. I have found sleep stories on a couple different meditation apps to be really, really helpful for me. They have worked super well. So sleep stories are exactly what they sound like. It is uh, like a bedtime story for a grown ass adult. And it is like someone with a very calm, soothing voice telling you a story about a place or a thing, but they're doing it in this way that you're like, I had no idea that this really fabulous international destination could be so boring, but it truly is. So again, I have found those to be really helpful. I have done them on the Calm app where I know for a while they had Matthew McConaughey reading some. So if that's like a dream come true for you, go check that out. Um, Or I have recently switched to Whom, which is H-O-O-M, And the reason that I switched is because I was given a set of Whom headphones. I feel very strange every time I say the word Whom, so I'm sorry if it sounds super weird. Um, But the Whom headphones are like a cloth headband with headphones built into them. So if, assuming you don't want to have your sleep app open, reading you a story aloud in your bedroom because you sleep with a partner or a baby or something, then these Whom headphones, I have found to be very comfortable. Um, I still typically like either in my sleep or I'll slightly wake up enough that like I'll pull them off at some point in the night, but they are comfortable enough to fall asleep with them over your ears, but they're not super noise canceling. So if you're reading or listening to a 20 or a 30 minute um, bedtime story, the sound is going to cut off after 20 or 30 minutes. And then it would be the same as having like a cloth headband over your ears. It's not um, cutting out all background sound if you need to be able to wake up to the sound of a baby. They are Bluetooth. So there's no like cord running across your bed, strangling you at night. Um, They used to make a corded version. I tried to find the link to share with a client and I was like, oh my God, Amazon has a version of these things that has like a plug-in cord. I don't recommend that, especially if you bed share, but even if you are an adult sleeping alone in a bed, get the Bluetooth version. Um, And again, I typically pull it off my head at some point, but like it really, really helps me when I don't feel tired at all when I lay down in bed. That has been great for me. There's also lots of other meditation techniques that you can do lying down in bed with, you know, all of your sensory uh 
release things, whether it's an eye mask or headphone or earplugs or whatever, you can um, count your breaths. So inhaling one, two, three, exhaling one, two, three. It can be simply naming the two parts of the breath. So just saying to yourself, inhale, exhale. So something like that, even a mantra, if you are a mantra practitioner, repeating those things, even if they don't immediately make you fall asleep, they're soothing and calming to the nervous system, which is our goal here. Super interesting if you have some kind of a tracker tool. If you're doing, in my experience, if I'm listening to a bedtime story or I'm doing one of those techniques, the tracker is picking up that I'm sleeping. So it is, you know, it's getting the same physiological data when I'm sleeping versus when I'm just calming myself down using these tools. So that to me is like more evidence to the idea that you don't have to be literally asleep to get the benefit of sleep physiologically. Another sensory tool that I love is a weighted blanket or what I use in my case, which is, um, I use like a do like a heavy feather duvet and I double it over on my side of the bed because my husband does not want any part of that. So I have like a regular sheet blanket that we share and then I put a doubled over heavy feather duvet on top of me. I am never hot when I sleep. So that works really well for me. But I have heard great things about weighted blankets being, you know, not too hot. So that's something, you know, you could go search Amazon or whatever for your preferred weighted blanket. Um, And that will give you that like weight and heaviness and sensation of being held, right? So if you've ever read like that swaddling is great for babies because it gives them that like pressure that they're used to having had in the womb, same idea, but for grownups. So all of those tools can be really helpful, whether you're pregnant or postpartum. I hope that that's like actually really actionable because some of the things that you read I don't know. I don't find them to be very helpful suggestions. Then let's talk about one last part of this, which is just your behaviors. So this is where I get to the point of like, I'm just going to kind of like reiterate probably a lot of things that you've heard before um, in 1000 articles. Get off your damn phone. (laughs) I love you. I love you. And I say that with so much love, but like, do not tell me that you're not getting enough sleep or that you're frustrated with the amount of sleep you're getting and then sit there for 30 minutes or an hour looking at TikTok videos or watching Instagram stories. I love social meds as much as the next person. This is tough love that I have to give myself to, but there, I mean, and you can figure out what is the thing that you need to say to yourself that's most helpful. For me, it's just a matter of like, you don't actually want to be doing this. This is your brain seeking, you know, hits of of happy, feel-good hormones. What you really want is to be asleep right now. You, I mean, and then there's a million things built into your phone that you could use. You can use your, um, like your bedtime timer. So my bedtime alarm is 10 to 6. Uh, where it's going to automatically be on do not disturb. And at 9.15, I get the alert to be like, okay, now it's like time to start winding down. I typically ignore that one, right? So I'm being completely honest with you. I typically ignore ignore that 9.15, 
But after that's happened, my phone is locked in a different way where I have to physically dismiss this reminder. Anytime my phone closes, I have to physically dismiss this reminder that says it's past your bedtime. You should be getting ready for bed. Stop looking at your phone, asshole. Um, which is actually really helpful to me. Once I've like done it three or four times, I'm like, oh my God, I need to go to bed. I need to stop looking at my phone because it keeps telling me that I need to stop looking at my phone. Um, so the bedtime thing in um, your phone is is a super easy tool that you can use. iPhones have them. I'm, I'm assuming my Androids do too. Sorry to my Android listeners. Um, you can, I mean, there's other external apps that you could also find that will like sh- shut down your phone, lock it, block social media channels, whatever you need to do. Give that a Google. I'm not going to go through and tell you every single app that you should do because I haven't actually tried these on myself. I don't want to endorse something I haven't tried. Um, But getting off your phone is a big one. Scheduling your time is another. So I know you guys, I know that my listeners are badasses and y'all are hustlers. You work really freaking hard. And if you don't plan your time, I guarantee you have infinity work to do. You will never reach a point where you're like, oh, no more work to do today. Let me just go to bed now. You can't earn bedtime by finishing your work. You have to set your calendar up to say, this is when I'm going to do this. This is when I'm going to do this. And these are the things that are not going to get done because my sleep and my health are more important. So you explicitly decide, I am not going to do XYZ for work. I am not going to get XYZ done around the house. Because if I do, I know that I have to be up past 10 p.m. And that's past my bedtime. I need to be getting enough sleep. So those are my two big ones as far as behaviors is just one, giving yourself some kind of a thought, something that feels true for you that you want to remind yourself when you are what I lovingly call dicking, just on your phone dicking when it's past your bedtime. And then to making sure that you are prioritizing your daytime tasks and acknowledging that not everything is going to get done and not waiting to go to bed until you've finished everything. I feel like this has been like kind of a mean episode. (laughs) This has just been... 25 minutes of me telling you all of the things you're doing a really shitty job at. But I do this from a place of love because this is like, I hear this from parents so, so frequently that they're not getting enough sleep. And some of those things, yes, are outside our control. Like if your kid is waking you up seven times a night, that means that you need to be spending more time in bed. Whether you are sleeping or not, you need to prioritize that rest time, even if it means, and this is coming from personal experience, even if it means that you're in bed at 8 p.m. every night. It is temporary. None of these baby things are permanent. And I want to close with a reminder that you are allowed to do whatever works for you to be your best self in your greatest health. So If you are a first-time parent and you stay home with your kid, then follow that adage that everyone tells you, sleep when the baby sleeps. Even if you're not a napper, go in the dark, put your weighted blanket on, listen to a bedtime story, be quiet and still and let your body restore. But if you are not a first-time parent or you do not 
stay home with your kids, that's not applicable. And that means that you you may not, for a long-term plan, be able to handle just sleeping like or just just getting up every single night when your baby cries you may decide that you need to sleep train and that's what's appropriate um I grappled with sleep training myself um not sleep training myself I myself grappled with sleep training and we didn't do it for 10 months so we didn't sleep train until my daughter was 10 months and she co-slept with me in my bed from birth until then um And it was hard. I still slept enough because I was going to bed at 8 p.m. and getting up, depending on the day, between 5 and 7. Um, And then I just hit a wall where I was like, "This, I can't live like this anymore. Not I can't keep getting up at night, but I can't keep going to bed at 8 p.m. I need to have a life. So... And by a life, what I really meant was like, I need to be awake after work and dinner and bedtime to like actually see my husband. So we decided that it was appropriate for us to sleep train. I've had clients who've sleep trained at three months and been really happy with that decision. I've had clients who've never sleep trained and been really happy with that decision. And you get to choose based on your values, what is important to you. But to me, what doesn't work is saying, I'm not going to sleep train and Also, I'm going to continue this habit of going to bed at 11 p.m. and waking up at 6. That is not healthy. It's not sustainable. Your body cannot do the work that you are asking it to do all day, every day, unless you're sleeping all day. And I know, I know, based on my listeners, I know that you're not. So that is the end of your tough love. Um... I hope that this has been helpful. Again, please respond. Let me know what you guys are thinking. If you have specific topics you want me to cover in the future, I am all ears. I'm looking forward in the next month to also covering some more infertility information. If that's something that interests you guys, make sure that you are subscribed. So go to the podcast page, wherever you listen to your podcast, go back to the podcast page and subscribe and rate, please. I really appreciate that as well. All right. Bye y'all. Any of the resources mentioned in today's episode will be available in the show notes. So go ahead to your podcast app and open up the show notes, or you can find them right on my website. And I would be so grateful if you would share today's episode with a friend. So just go back to your podcast app, hit the share button and send the link over to someone who you think would benefit from this. And lastly, if you want bonus brownie points, you can go rate and review the podcast. This helps new subscribers find us and get some awesome benefits from listening to today's episode. Thanks again for being here and have an awesome week.